This is the Mitchank Show, and our guest is legendary political strategist and friend of President Trump, Roger Stone. Today's show is brought to you by Weedman and Joe Ferraro and her team of realtors. At Weedman, we use only golf course quality time-release granular fertilizer, which meters out over 8 to 10 weeks and makes environmental sense. This means no mowing like crazy after the application and then loss of color a few weeks later like some competitors' results. Go to WeedmanUSA.com. The real estate market is challenging, especially if you need to sell your home first in order to buy your next one. Joe Ferraro and her team have a fantastic solution. Her guarantee lets you put an offer in your next home without the sale of home contingency. Check out soldinmadison.com. And welcome to the Mid-Chank Show. It's our honor and privilege to interview longtime friend of Trump and great best-selling author Roger Stone. Good morning, Mr. Stone. Mitch, great to be with you again. Good to have you on the show. And you are the poster boy. You are the target. After months of being banned by CNN and people would say you're this fringe character and cloak and dagger figure of Dirty Tricks fame, now you're like numero uno on their want list. So what's going on? Well, I mean, one man's dirty trick is uh, another man's civic participation, as you know. One man's dirty trickster is another man's freedom fighter. Yes. It all depends on your interpretation and your point of view, I guess. But, uh, look, I have been a friend and advisor uh, to Donald Trump for almost 40 years. I was an early uh, staff member of his presidential campaign. It's not unusual that the special counsel might want to look at my email traffic or my the many memos that I wrote Donald Trump. But I can tell you this, uh, what they won't find is any Russian collusion. Uh, that What they also will not find, even though folks at MSNBC have made wild accusations, is that um, WikiLeaks or Julian Assange uh, gave me copies of Hillary's hacked emails, which I in turn then gave to Donald Trump and the Trump campaign, which, because they believe Assange is a Russian asset, would, in their opinion, constitute treason. Well, let's take the last point last. There are no such memos. I never received anything whatsoever from WikiLeaks or Assange or the Russians or anyone else and passed it on to Donald Trump. You cannot give what you do not have. As far as the idea that Assange is a Russian, that's kind of up there with General Clapper saying, no, there's no metadata collection uh, program on Americans. A lie. Um, Saddam Hussein, he has weapons of mass destruction. Another lie by our politicized intelligence agencies. I believe that their claim that Assange is a Russian agent is no more accurate than saying you, Mitch, are a Russian agent. Assange is a journalist. He does what journalists do. He obtains information from whistleblowers, and he publishes it. And on occasion, that information is classified. Kind of funny, right now there's a movie out there, The Post, which is glorifying the role of the Washington Post in publishing classified information regarding the origins of the Vietnam War. That's viewed as heroic. And in the next breath, they want Julian Assange prosecuted for doing exactly what they do. And the intrigue nationally among CNN and all the characters in MSNBC is enhanced by the fact that uh, your old friend and colleague Sam Nunberg went on all the cable shows in a bizarre interview, especially on CNN, where they said they smelled alcohol in his breath. He said, I only have taken my meds. I mean, it really did go into that fifth dimension. Um, But that's what has you back in the news again. And you've addressed that. I saw you with Chuck Todd last week. And saying that you're no longer really in cahoots with him in any way. Well, look, Sam Nunberg is a talented young man. He's an excellent writer, researcher, but he's clearly dealing with his demons. Uh, that interview, those interviews, because I watched them all, was like a cross between Howard Beale and Network saying, I'm mad <laughs> as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, and a, an Andy Kaufman stand-up routine. Um, He was all over the map. They have something on the president. They have nothing on the president. Uh, Trump did something. I don't know what it is. Uh, No, I don't think this goes to the president at all. There's no internal consistency whatsoever. Uh, It was like a stream of consciousness uh, 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 meme. It was very, very odd. But uh, Sam aligned himself with Steve Bannon, uh, 
after um, Paul Manafort left the campaign and Bannon uh, uh, joined the campaign, he became more actively involved with Steve uh, in, in the White House years, or the White House year, I should say. When, so when you work with Sam, Sam will call you 30, 40 times a day, often with no purpose. Fortunately for me, that shifted from me as Sam's uh, selected mentor to Steve Bannon. And I'm afraid uh, Sam was very angry with me when I wrote a piece for the Daily Caller in which I concluded that it was time for Bannon to leave the White House. So um, there's some background there. Sam is a good guy, and I hope he gets professional help. Well, and I've heard you say that. I think what people are fixing on a couple of things here. They go back to the WikiLeaks connection. You've talked about having done an intermediary, which I think the name came out later as Randy Gretico, or Credico. Uh, is he a radio host of some sort? Yeah, he was, he was a radio host at WBAI. Um, I outlined for the House Intelligence Committee that, uh, that when I began following Assange on Twitter and his various public interviews, he said publicly that he had material on Hillary uh, and that he would release it. I knew that Credico was close to people in the Assange camp. I knew he was working on getting Assange on his show. Assange ultimately would give several interviews to Credico, which are very much worth listening to, can be found online. Uh, and he merely confirmed that, yes, they really do have this material, and yes, they will release it um, probably, probably in October. That's the extent of it. He didn't ever address the question of the source or the content and so on. In journalism, that's called a confirming source. Now, I was reticent to turn over his name to the House Intelligence Committee because I feared there'd be professional reprisal from the left. Indeed, when I did, at the urging of Congressman Trey Gowdy and others, uh, disclose his name to the committee, uh, and it leaked, he was fired at WBAI. The last I heard, he was still seeking work. Well, and people seize on the fact that October 2nd, you said the mother load is coming, um, which then I would guess you're saying as a result of your connections, giving you that information, how did that work out on the dates? Well, I had read on July 20, uh, pardon me, July 12th, that Assange had material on Hillary, but that it wouldn't be disclosed. And then Credico told me that it would not be disclosed until October. Um, in October... On the 1st, Assange had a press event in which he said that there would be major disclosures for 10 weeks going beyond the election beginning next week. So my, my, uh, my tweet is consistent. All of my tweets are consistent with things that Assange has already said publicly. Assange has said that publicly. I have said that publicly. Now, interestingly, when factcheck.org did an analysis which concluded that there was no evidence uh, that I knew about the WikiLeaks disclosures or the hacked emails of, regarding Hillary in advance, and there was no evidence that I knew of the hacking of John Podesta's email, which I did not. Uh, and I cited that analysis in my House testimony. Factcheck.org quickly put out a statement saying, just because there is no proof of something doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm, very nice. Which, to me, erases any idea that they're really a fact-checking organization. Our guest is Roger Stone. This is the Mitch Hank Show on, Madison's dot, on MadisonTalks.com. The real estate market is challenging, especially if you need to sell your home first in order to buy your next one. Joe Ferraro and her team have a fantastic solution. Her guarantee lets you put an offer in your next home without the sale of home contingency. Check out soldinmadison.com. Go to weedmanusa.com. Recommended over our competitors for your lawn care needs by our customers' outstanding testimonials. Go to weedmanusa.com. We have that day, and also there's a, I was reading the Atlantic, Roger, and they're talking about how you communicated not with Assange, but with WikiLeaks directly on October 13th. Uh, what was that about? Um, this, I think, is, uh, I believe, is uh, material that I turned over to the House Intelligence Committee. It is a, it is a very brief uh, exchange in the direct message function of Twitter uh, 
which uh, is entirely exculpatory. It demonstrates that I never received anything from them and that I was not in any way collaborating with them. This is the only atmosphere under which uh, documents can emerge that, that totally exonerate you and your critics will say, aha. <laughs> well, my God, we can go to the JFK case and see all kinds of uh, communications there that everybody said it meant nothing. Here, everything, it means everything. Just, just a, a communication. Uh, but you maintain there was no direct communication between you and Julian Assange. Uh, I've never uh, met him. I've never spoken to him. I've never emailed with him. I do admire him. I writ wrote three long pieces uh, about a month ago for Infowars, for the Daily Caller, and also for the Express in London, um, which lays out my view that he is an honest journalist, that in the 11 years that WikiLeaks has been uh, in existence, they have not uh, ever been challenged as to the authenticity or accuracy of the material they published, something the New York Times and the Washington Post cannot say, uh, and that this entire claim that Assange is a Russian and therefore um, contact with him would be inappropriate, well, then you would have to indict Sean Hannity. Who I believe has introduced him several times. Uh, look, our intelligence agencies, sadly, have been politicized. And just because John Brennan says something does not make it true. Uh, they are trying to paint a narrative that is uh, inaccurate. Well, and you've said many times that you think Robert Mueller will eventually indict President Trump on some sort of process crime, uh, possibly obstruction of justice. Why do you think so? Well, uh, the fact that uh, he's asking the president for an interview, first of all, I don't believe there's any evidence of Russian collusion. Even the 13 Russians who were indicted roughly uh, 10 days ago, no evidence that they were coordinating, conspiring, communicating with the Trump campaign. Uh, and if you look at the totality of what they did, at certain points they appear to be pro-Trump, anti-Trump, pro-Bernie Sanders, anti-Hillary, pro-Hillary, and most of the money they spent appeared to me, at least based on the media reports, to have been spent after the election. So, uh, you know, there is no Russian collusion there. One of the Russians indicted was a caterer, which means in this case, uh, Mr. Mueller has in fact indicted a ham sandwich. <laughs> the, the point here is that um, I don't think there is any evidence of collusion. Therefore, uh, I, my guess is that Mr. Mueller will go back to the Flynn termination, the termination of General Mike Flynn, and the termination of uh, 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 James Comey, the FBI director, and seek some process crimes, obstruction of justice, perjury, lying to an FBI agent, something along that order. I don't think you can underestimate the deep en en enmity, uh, the animus that the two-party establishment, the elites of the Republican and Democratic Party, have uh, for this president and their resolve to remove him. Well, getting back to the, the nature of the investigation itself, it's been an investigation in search of a crime, unlike Watergate, where there was a crime, a burglary. Uh, and like with Clinton, it started with a Whitewater land deal and then ended up with sex and perjury about uh, that. Here, are we headed to a period where they're going to go after Donald Trump's business dealings before he was elected, trying to see connections with Russia, I mean, who funded Mar-a-Lago, if there are other loans in there that maybe were greater than the amount of speculating about money laundering, I mean, is this simply an investigation in search of a person, meaning Donald Trump or his associates, not necessarily a crime, but people? And if the government does that with unlimited budget, I mean, they're going to find something eventually, aren't they? Well, uh, you know, Mr. Mueller is not operating uh, under any existing special counsel law. This, the law that creates and governs special counsels passed by the Congress and signed by the president has expired. Under that law, Mr. Mueller would have required a, uh, the approval of a three-judge panel before he could expand his probe into new areas. 
Here he is completely unfettered. He can examine anything, and he has what appears to be an unlimited budget. So um, I think the concern that you mentioned is entirely possible. Um, I, I don't know what relevance Donald Trump's early uh, real estate career has. He's beholden to no one. Uh, if he is uh, in Putin's pocket, why are we selling offensive weapons to the Ukrainians, which the Russians vehemently oppose and are furious about? It's just another example of the fact that the president is independent and he does what he believes is in the best interest of the country. And anti-ballistic missile shield to Poland, I guess, would be another example of that. But yet he doesn't publicly denounce Putin. Is that just his style, or do you think there's a reason for that? Well, when people have thermonuclear weapons and with the push of a button can cause a nuclear holocaust, I think the president believes that you're better off in a dialogue with them rather than uh, insulting them. Uh, the Russians uh, have a, uh, you know, they have a nuclear arsenal. Uh, they have an extraordinarily powerful military. Uh, and we are clashing around the globe in terms of our goals and objectives. I just think the president believes that it's better to talk than trade insults. At the same time, I don't think the president has any illusions about the corruption and the and the totalitarianism of the Russian system and I don't think he has any illusions about Putin being a nice guy uh, on the other hand Hillary Clinton wanted us to go to war over Syria wanted a no-fly zone which to me looked like an open invitation for World War three now if you analyze the situation in Syria Assad the dictator is uh, propping up Hezbollah he's propping up Hamas financing both he, in turn, is propped up by the Russians. No friends of ours there. On the other side, you have ISIS and a hundred other radical fanatic groups propped up by the Saudis. No real friends of ours there either. So why would we spend a single drop of American blood, a single borrowed American dollar, to go to war over Syria? Uh, I think that really is the seat of the deep state's animus, the, the military and our intelligence agencies' animus towards Trump, clearly Hillary Clinton had promised them an expansion of this proxy war. We're recording this interview a day before the special election in Pennsylvania 18, where the president recently made an appearance and held a political rally, uh, seemed to be back in his old form, saying not a lot about the candidate, but uh, getting his people fired up. Uh, having the benefit of foresight, what do you think is going to happen there? And uh, viewing the 2018 midterms, what's your view of the result there? Well, it's going to be very, very close. Um, I don't think we have nominated the strongest candidate. They have nominated an attractive candidate. Um, it is a district that the president carried. Um, so far, interestingly enough, in the special elections, um, Trump supporters and Republicans have fared quite well, which is entirely against the historical trend. Usually it's the opposite. Uh, this is, it looks to me like a toss-up. Uh, and uh, what will happen, of course, is that if the Republican wins, the mainstream media, MSNBC and CNN and Jake Tapper and others will say it's meaningless. And if the Democrat wins, they will say, aha, you see, this is the bellwether. It shows that Trump is finished. We're talking to a friend of Trump, Roger Stone, on the Mitchell Show on MadisonTalks.com. Go to WeedManUSA.com, recommended over our competitors for your lawn care needs by our customers' outstanding testimonials. Go to WeedManUSA.com. Joe Ferraro and her team of realtors ensure the wow factor by having a talented professional stager help prepare your home to sell for top dollar. And only the best photos and videos of your home will be placed online or in print. You can count on Joe Ferraro at soldinmadison.com. Back to Roger Stone, who's written many bestsellers on the JFK case, the case against LBJ, the man who killed Kennedy, the Bush crime family, uh, the Clinton's war on women. When Chuck Todd interviewed you and other people are fixating the fact that you left the campaign fairly early on, you say you resigned, other people speculate that you were let go. Uh, but there, there aren't any, so... Yeah, but you've made clear that you, you and Donald Trump don't agree on, on strategy, but you remain a, a big supporter that he is his own strategist. He remains his own strategist, 
And now he's sort of going through uh, a litany of people. Well, people are leaving the White House for various reasons, all kinds of rumors about chaos at the White House. But uh, your take on that and whether Donald Trump loves the atmosphere at the White House and is running the show the way he always has run his organizations. Well, uh, look, Donald Trump is uh, unique. He is a, a force of nature. He is a, uh, he is a natural phenomena. Um, he is his own strategist, his own wordsmith, his own press secretary. Uh, he alone conceived a way to win the presidency in the most unconventional campaign in American history. Uh, it, it has been surprising to me the extent to which once he came to power, he has surrounded himself with, um, with uh, individuals who opposed his candidacy or individuals from the country club Bush wing of the party. Uh, and uh, I think if he is not successful, that will be the reason why. Uh, to give you an example, um, he, he very clearly ran as an anti-interventionist. He ran as someone who would withdraw us from Afghanistan and Syria. Uh, yet the generals uh, and his national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, have persuaded him to uh, stay in those places and, in fact, increase our profile and the number of men and women serving in, uh, in Afghanistan. So I think that that is uh, a mistake an example of where some of these establishment types have uh, gotten the president to uh, abandon the path that got him elected. Generally speaking, though, when you consider the deep enmity of the party establishments and the Washington establishment, it's amazing how much he has accomplished. Two million new jobs, uh, regulations cut to the bone, uh, record stock market, even after some corrections higher than it was under Barack Obama, huge corporations like Apple returning to the United States, repatriating you know $350 billion, committing to spend another $250 billion here, um, uh, clearly addressing the trade imbalances. No more are we going to do these one-size-fits-all 300-nation trade deals. Uh, Trump is going to pursue trade agreements that are mutually beneficial for us and our trade partners. Well, your thoughts as a libertarian, I believe I can call you that, um, about the tariff policy, uh, aluminum and steel, getting heavy opposition from the conservative Republican circles. Uh, you have some Democrats supporting it. Um, I can't imagine you would like that concept, but your take, is he just bargaining or is, is this long-term policy? Uh, you know, I think Donald Trump is using the power of threats of tariff to open a negotiation. I mean, it would be fair to say that Trump isn't starting a trade war. We've been in a trade war for eight years at least, probably longer, and we're losing. Other nations uh, apply tariffs to our goods and services to keep them out of the country, uh, but we do not use tariffs here. So I think that Donald Trump is using the big stick. Uh, the single greatest thing to be done to reduce the trade imbalance and bring companies back to the United States is, of course, the reduction in corporate taxes. And he has achieved that. That will do more than every any tariff that you could lay on. It has not yet had a chance to gain traction. But in this case, uh, Trump, I think, is playing a, a, a clever game of negotiation. He is using the threats of tariffs to get our negotiating partners back to the table and make a better deal. Uh, and I'm not opposed to that. Tariffs themselves, um, I think, are not productive. I'm a free trader, but we don't have free trade. We, only, we, we offer free trade, but we don't get free trade from our partners. It's only the big stick can change that. I understand the concept. We'll see how it plays out. Now, the Stormy Daniels case, I'm amazed at all these different cases. People talk about the Russia matter. It's almost like CNN, NBC, and those who engage in what I call impeachment porn have to wait until they give time to another story, which is now Stormy Daniels. Uh, the fact that uh, this alleged affair with the president, which ended in 2011, I suppose, uh, is in the news, and that she wants to tell her story. 
Uh, here's my question. If she didn't honor this agreement, this non-disclosure agreement, why did she take the money? If she took the money, doesn't that by default uh, confirm that she's agreed to the terms? Well, I'm not an attorney. It would it would seem to me that that would be the case. Um, what's really surprising here is that the American people don't seem to care. I mean, the president's approval rating has risen to the highest point since he's been president in the backdrop of all of this. So kind of like with the Billy Bush tape and the rather raw comments that the president allegedly made um, in that interview, which came out during the campaign, I think people are more focused on the country, the direction of the country, whether or not there are jobs, whether their children can find a job, uh, whether there's economic opportunity, um, whether their neighborhood is safe or whether they have to be worried about being hit in the head by somebody who's in the country illegally. Those issues, I think, transcend all of this. But the question becomes uh, one involving Robert Mueller, because if they're going to fixate on this question of campaign finance, that somehow his lawyer, Gary Cohn, paid her this money so that her story wouldn't get out in October of 16, that somehow that affected the election, therefore being an in-kind contribution. Does that give Mueller the right to ask the president about the, the alleged affair? Did you do this, or have an affair with her? which forces him to answer under oath should he have that opportunity. Then we're back to Monica Lewinsky. Do you see that as well, the end I, result? I assume at that point all of the liberal Democrats who um, who uh, defended Bill Clinton said, well, that's a private matter that uh -huh. has nothing to do with politics or government. Right. And it's an invasion of his privacy, and he shouldn't be asked. I'm highly confident that that will not happen. Well, if it did, he'd have, to, he'd have to answer under oath, and that's how they got Clinton, because he didn't know about the blue dress. Uh, President Trump allegedly knows of rumors about photos and other materials. He's not an idiot. He's not going to lie to Mueller under oath, I wouldn't think. So that's why I asked the question. But uh, we're talking to Roger Stone uh, on the Mitch Hank Show on MadisonTalks.com. Joe Ferraro and her team of realtors pre-market your home to buyers and agents before you're ready for showings. Visit our exclusive site at comingsooninmadison.com. And when it's time for a listing, nobody can sell it faster for a better price than Joe Ferraro. Go to soldinmadison.com. At Weedman, we use only golf course quality time-to-release granular fertilizer, which meters out over 8 to 10 weeks and makes environmental sense. This means no mowing like crazy after the application and then loss of color a few weeks later like some competitors' results. Go to weedmanusa.com. Talking to Roger Stone, uh, Roger, I heard Andrea Mitchell on Meet the Press speculating that if, in fact, uh, President Trump doesn't want to meet with Robert Mueller, he does a protracted legal case to get a subpoena and so forth, he has to testify under oath, that the president at that point could simply take the fifth and tell his supporters, look, it's a sham, they're trying to trick me into trick questions, I just took the fifth, and she claimed that would work for him politically. Uh, your thoughts there? Uh, look, I, I think that there's a compromise here, uh, the kind that President Ronald Reagan agreed to in the Iran-Contra investigation. I think there is a political and public relations cost to the president not appearing to cooperate with the inquiry. Uh, so Mr. Mueller could submit written questions and President Trump could submit written answers. That's one reasonable compromise. But the idea of the president going into a unfettered, um, under oath, freewheeling, broad-ranging interview with Mr. Mueller it smells to me like a perjury trap, and I, I would advise him not to do that. Well, but if he doesn't do that, and Mueller insists on the FaceTime, uh, we're talking about a subpoena, and uh, there are those who speculate that the president would lose that, ultimately, and would have to appear before Mueller and his team. Well, I think the people would uh, respond positively to the offer of a compromise. Um, uh, it is unrealistic to think that federal marshals are going to go pick up the president of the United States and bring him in. Um, I think that might be viewed as an overreach. Um, as Donald Trump would say, we're just going to have to see. Well, I guess Nixon could have uh, said you can't have the tapes, executive privilege, after the court ruled. We didn't have that constitutional crisis because he gave up the tapes. It sounds like you're speculating that President Trump would say, no, um, I have an executive privilege here. I'm not going to meet with Mr. Mueller. 
uh, he, I believe that, that that is the case. I mean, uh, look, I'm not a constitutional authority nor right. am I a lawyer, but I, I just think that it would be unwise for the president to walk into some kind of setup. Well, I understand, and that's why I asked about the Fifth Amendment, if in fact he's compelled. But if he says, I'm not going to do it, then we're kind of in new territory then at that point, aren't we? Well, I, I would think that his Fifth Amendment protections um, would suffice at that juncture. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it probably puts an end to a political wrangle about this. Some people, of course, will read guilt into that, which is not necessarily true at all. Um, you, just because you plead the Fifth Amendment does not mean that you're um, you know, imputing guilt to yourself. It means you don't want to run the risk. So uh, it's certainly a possibility. Uh, the president's lawyers have not impressed me so far. They have uh, repeatedly assured the president that um, it, this all was going to be wrapped up by Christmas and he would be exonerated. Uh, first they said Thanksgiving, then they said Christmas, then they said New Year's. Well, it's almost March 1st, and we still have no resolution of this matter. Well, it, almost April 1st, actually, time flies. I was about to get your NC2A bracket here in a minute, but here we are. Uh, you're right. It continues, and uh, I sense that the Trump voters in the country are, are tired of this. They want. That's why we have a, a team of, I would call, barracudas in the House, led by Jim Jordan of Ohio, who wanted a second special counsel. Many people are calling for it. I think the successor to Joe Scarborough from Pensacola and others putting pressure on it. And now we have reports that Attorney General Sessions is thinking about it uh, to investigate the way the FBI handled this. So are we at the stage now of, of warfare uh, between the two parties and uh, who's really culpable of wrongdoing? And regardless of the Mueller report, uh, there are those who seek to taint it politically and suggest that there's ulterior motives on part of the investigators. There are no cops watching the cops, is the argument. How's that going to play out? Uh, look, it, it, it is hard to say, but I do think this has to be viewed as, a, as an entirely political proceeding. Uh, and I do think two things are going on here at the same time, which is not uncommon in American politics. The, the drumbeat uh, of the president's critics since Election Day, uh, that he has somehow um, colluded with the Russians, does bleed through to the American people. And a high percentage of Americans believe there was Russian interference uh, in the election and that it probably favored Trump. At the same time, a majority of Americans in the same poll say they think that the Mueller inquiry is partisan uh, and political, uh, and right. that the FBI has acted improperly. It's not uncommon to see voters hold two conflicting opinions at the same time. People want to cut federal spending, but they don't want the program that they benefit from cut, for example. So um, right. this is really a struggle over a narrative. Um, it would not surprise me uh, if Mr. Mueller in, say, September issues a report concluding that the president has broken some law, any law, and that the Democrats then use that report as a platform to run on in October. I think that that's very dangerous. If the Republicans are running on jobs and prosperity, and the Democrats are running on, we hate Donald Trump, I think that's a loser as a message. Uh, what, what amazes me about today's Democratic Party, despite the fact that they don't seem to want to stand up to Islamic terrorism, uh, is the fact that they have no program for the country. They have no proposals to restore prosperity or address the trade imbalance or fix the immigration problem. It's all 100% unadulterated, we hate Donald Trump. It's just not a very good political message. Well, when I ask the members of my family, the Trump haters, my two aunts and my sister, I'll say to my college-educated sister, do you think opposition to Trump is policy-based or the fact that he just doesn't like his personality? And she'll say, Trump doesn't have any policies. They all say that. He doesn't have any policies. So I guess they don't want to see what he does with the federal court judges or the Supreme Court justice or the deregulation of businesses or the tax cuts. There just is this mindset of being in the bunker against Trump. 
I don't see how anyone could say he doesn't have policies. In fact, his policies challenge the orthodoxy of the last 30 years. I mean, he's not a neocon. Uh, he's not a globalist. The the Bush-Clinton-Republican-Democrat combine that has run the country for the last 30 years has given us endless war um, without our inherent national interests being clear, erosion of our civil liberties, uh, metadata collection program, uh, keeping track of Americans, reading our email, reading, reading our texts, uh, has given us uh, massive debt and spending and borrowing, has given us uh, an immigration system in which our borders were virtually porous, uh, in which our streets and neighborhoods were unsafe, has given us trade policies that have cost the country millions of jobs. And in every one of those cases, Trump has a prescription to reverse that decline. Very, uh, And that's why he was elected. He walked into the perfect storm where voters were prepared to go with an outsider, no matter how uh, 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 over the top yeah. <laughs> he may be, no matter how uh, audacious he may be, because they're tired of career politicians and they're tired of this cycle in which the people are, are promised hope and change, and they get neither. Nothing really changes. How can it be that Barack Obama and President George W. Bush had the same defense secretary, had the same CIA director? If their policies are different, if they really are from different political philosophies, why are they sharing cabinet members? It's because the policies, when you get right down to it, are exactly the same. This is why I briefly bolted the Republican Party in 2012. I mean, I have great sentimental attachment to the old Republican Party of Barry Goldwater, the party of limited government, the party of personal freedom, the party of privacy rights, the party that wanted government out of the bedroom and out of the boardroom the party that believed in a strong national defense but did not believe you went around the world looking for trouble. Uh, and with the nomination of Mitt Romney, I concluded that that Republican Party, at least at that point, was dead, uh, that both parties had morphed into the same party, the party of war, the party of spending, the party of borrowing, the party of, uh, of, uh, of destruction of our civil liberties. Donald Trump's nomination is the hostile takeover of the Republican Party by uh, a new breed of Republicans. And hold that thought. Uh, we're talking to Roger Stone on the Mitch Hanks Show on MedicineTalks.com. Joe Ferraro and her team of realtors guarantee the sale of your house by a certain date or they will buy your home. That means you don't have to buy your next house. Uh, you can buy your next house without the pressure of you having to sell your home first. Go to soldinmadison.com. Go to weedmanusa.com. Recommended over our competitors for your lawn care needs by our customers' outstanding testimonials. Go to weedmanusa.com. My sense is I talked to Roger Stone, friend of Trump, and uh, the man in the media, the poster boy right now. Uh, Roger, if you do go before Mueller and his team, it doesn't sound like you're going to need too many notes. I mean, do you welcome the possibility of going before Mueller? Well, it would be nice to clear the air. On the other hand, as you point out, um, if no um, inappropriate activity regarding WikiLeaks uh, or the Russians can be found, and there is none, you have to always be concerned that they will manufacture some other crime. Uh, Paul Manafort stands indicted for a number of transgressions, uh, but none of them relate to campaign 2016, and none of them relate to Donald Trump. Uh, so that is, of course, always uh, a concern. I can only address the question on the table. That is one of Russian collusion, uh, and the subtext being WikiLeaks to say yet again, I've never met or spoken to uh, or emailed directly with uh, with. Julian Assange. I have never received anything whatsoever from him or from WikiLeaks and passed it on to anyone, including Donald Trump and the Trump campaign. Uh, so that theory put forward by Margaret Carlson of the Daily Beast and by Ari Melber of MSNBC and Salon and the Washington Post is just false. When you issue a denial like that, uh, the Washington Post comes back and says, Stone is parsing words. He said he never received any emails, but he didn't say he never received any hacked emails. 
Okay, let's say it now. No, I never received any allegedly hacked emails either. I never received anything from WikiLeaks or Assange, and therefore you can't pass on what you don't have. I'm not saying that I would have passed on, but I had no advanced knowledge of the content or the source or the exact timing of the WikiLeaks disclosures from the DNC. Even the exchange I had with somebody claiming to be Guccifer 2.0, who some people believe is a Russian hacker, and who initially I believed when he claimed that he had hacked the DNC email. Today, I'm not so sure that's right. Uh, if you look at the content, the timing, long after the publication of the DNC material by WikiLeaks, or the context... The exchange is entirely banal. It's innocuous. It proves nothing. But it does get my critics the headline, Trump intimate, you know, communicated with Russian hacker. Well, I understand the way it's played out. But so far, again, no smoking gun. Your old colleague, Paul Manafort, is in trouble, it seems like, on the tax evasion front. Maybe you could weigh in. I don't know. But that's the one area where you usually can't beat the government. Uh, Al Capone went down on that basis. I mean, if you are making money abroad for services provided abroad, you still have to pay taxes in the good old U.S. of A. Do you think your old colleague is in trouble on that front? Uh, you know, his attorneys um, tell him that they think they can beat the charges against him. They think the charges against him are wrong. I have no firsthand knowledge. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I wish him well. We've been friends since boyhood. Uh, and uh, I hope it works out. I do think that he is being unfairly persecuted. Um, I don't really understand the point of this. He cannot, no matter how hard you squeeze him, he cannot hand the prosecutors proof of Russian collusion because there is none, and he has no knowledge of any. Well, it sounds like they're trying to get him on separate matters at this point. Uh, Pepidopoulos for lying to the FBI. By the way, Nobody ever heard of this guy. Did you ever meet this guy, Papadopoulos? No, no, neither. This is kind of a, an irony. Neither Carter Page <laughs> nor this fellow Papadopoulos have any authority uh, or any real position in the Trump campaign. They're both members of a hundred-member voluntary foreign policy advisory board that I think met exactly once, and that was prior to Paul Manafort joining the campaign. Every campaign puts these together for the purposes of a press release. None of these guys had any authority to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, they are bit players, uh, and again, uh, indicted for, at least in the case of, of Papadopoulos, uh, process crimes, lying to the FBI. Never heard of this guy. Now, in the case of Carter Page, I didn't think I'd ever met him, but it turns out that he showed up at one of my book signings, and I signed a book for him along with hundreds of other people. Kind of reminds me of my young days when I yelled at Roger Mudd for 15 minutes after Super Tuesday coverage, and I was posing as Pat Cadell. But I, Gary Hart didn't know about that until I told him years later. So, I mean, you you do things when you're a young volunteer, and you, you think you can take on more than perhaps the campaign has given you authorization to take on. Um, in your case, at age 20 or so, you were given authorization with the uh, Committee to Reelect Nixon. You were a whiz kid. But, you know, most people do things sort of independently of the top campaign brass at that age. Well, from what I've seen, Papadopoulos peppered anybody he could uh, get an email address for inside the Trump campaign right. suggesting a meeting with the Russians. No one took him up on that. No one thought it was a good idea. Uh, I am told that Manafort specifically told his deputy, turn this off. It's the worst idea I've ever heard. Who is this guy? Right. So, uh, again, there doesn't appear to be any there there. By the way, I'm just curious. I know you're not a lawyer, Roger, but what is illegal about the Donald Trump Jr. meeting with the Russians? I mean, what is illegal about that meeting? N nothing that I can see. I do understand federal election law, which is the allegation that somehow um, it would be inappropriate for him to meet with a Russian national. We've never established that this woman lawyer actually works for the state. There's a lot of questions about her, though. Why was she in the country to meet with Donald Jr. without a visa? How did she get in the country illegally? How did the Obama administration allow that? Why are there photos of her in John McCain's office? Why are there photos of her in anti-Trump demonstrations? 
This smells more and more like a setup to me, but it doesn't matter whether there was one person in the meeting or a hundred people. I don't think anything of substance transpired. She had no information on Hillary as promised. I don't think Donnie Jr. has done anything wrong. When you're in a presidential campaign, uh, it would be uh, malpractice not to explore every possibility of documenting malfeasance by your opponent. Well, if you can't meet with a Russian national, you can't meet with a, a British national or a Dutch national. I, I find that amazing. I've heard Alan Dershowitz. irony of the entire situation. It appears to me like the Justice Department and the FBI used a dossier put together by foreign nationals, including Russians, uh, as the legal rationale for spying on the pre- Republican candidate for president. I'm sorry, that makes Watergate look like small potatoes. <laughs> that is an abuse of power. It is using the investigative power and, and machinery of the state to spy on a candidate in a federal election on the basis of a fraudulent uh, probable cause. And hence, uh, Jim Jordan and the others calling for a second special counsel. Uh, we're talking to Roger Stone on the MidChangeRoadMadisonTalks.com. Joe Ferraro and her team of realtors pre-market your home to buyers and agents before you're ready for showings. Visit the exclusive site at comingsoonandmadison.com. When it's time for the listing, nobody can sell it faster for a better price than Joe Ferraro. Go to soldinmadison.com. At Weedman, we use only golf course quality time-release granular fertilizer, which meters out over 8 to 10 weeks and makes environmental sense. This means no mowing like crazy after the application and then loss of color a few weeks later like some competitors' results. Go to WeedmanUSA.com. Back to Roger's son as we get down the home stretch here, and we're very honored that you're here because you're a man in demand at the national level. Suddenly they want you. I find that amazing uh, because you're the uh, the poster boy right now in this Mueller probe. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. It's kind of odd. I, be- I was told that I was banned at CNN, yet today I have invitations from Aaron Burnett, Anderson Cooper, Jake Tapper just a few minutes ago, uh, Chris Cuomo and New Day. I like Chris. Uh, but I thought I was banned, and now suddenly I'm unbanned. Uh, At MSNBC, it's the same situation, multiple requests to come on, uh, presumably, I guess, so they can further the false idea that I was trafficking documents from WikiLeaks to Donald Trump. Um, I'd rather be on the Mitch Hank show. Well, you're very kind. I should mention your other book on the 2016 Campaign was it the making of President Night 2016. The yeah. making of the President 2016. How Donald Trump orchestrated a revolution, uh, which I think is um, uh, a very detailed analysis of the greatest upset in American political history, uh, and how the uh, the technological advances um, involved in the advent of the internet gave rise to a vibrant, robust, alternative media, which in turn allowed for the election of Donald Trump. Under the old system, in which political discourse was completely monopolized by three networks, and then later two cable news networks, such a result is unthinkable. Uh, I watched as a boy the way Barry Goldwater was destroyed, the way a caricature of him as a trigger-happy neo-Nazi maniac, which is kind of interesting for a guy who's half Jewish, Jewish, uh, and a lifelong member of the NAACP, uh, you know, was carefully promoted by the mainstream media uh, and uh, contributed to his landslide loss. Uh, you remember the famous uh, magazine cover where, I forget the number, but let's call it 100. 100 psychiatrists say Goldwater unfit to be president. Well, of course, none of them had examined uh, uh, Senator Goldwater. Right. Then we saw that phenomena again from the left. Uh, some group came forward where 100 psychiatrists said Trump was mentally unfit. Of course, none of them had ever examined Donald Trump. So uh, we see history repeating itself in the tactics of the mainstream media. But fortunately, if you don't like what you're hearing on CNN or MSNBC, for example, you can go to the Mitch Hank show, or you can go to a dozen other talk radio shows where you're going to hear, unfettered, a different point of view. But speaking of that, Seth Rich, the young man who worked at the DNC as a data analyst who was murdered in July of 16, there were a lot of theories out there that he was the, the leaker 
the DNC emails, and uh, they had a private investigator from the family, and suddenly he changed his tune over 24 hours, and the family hired a very left-leaning PR firm to handle all questions. That still bothers me. Yes, I have my little black hat on with that. Um, have we given up on him as the source? No, not at all. What I think is extraordinary is that any time you attempt to discuss this, you're immediately branded as a conspiracy theory. Go to the interview with Julian Assange, in which he's asked about this. He makes it as clear as you possibly can that Rich is a source without saying it, which would violate his journalistic ethics. Right. He, he says, put it, uh -huh. our sources take their lives in their hands, they run, they run enormous risk, and then he posts a $25,000 reward for the for the apprehension uh, of uh, or information that leads to the apprehension of whoever killed Seth Rich, we are told that this is a robbery. Yet Seth Rich's father says publicly that his wallet, his cash, his ring, and his watch are intact, it's are fun. unremoved. Uh, no, I think Seth Rich uh, is probably the source of the DNC emails. I suspect they were never hacked at all. It remains uh, uh, indisputable that the DNC would not let the FBI examine their servers. So the question of whether they were really hacked was uh, was made by a private firm that clearly has political motivations. Uh, I think Seth Rich uh, is uh, most probably was the victim of a political assassination. We have the British diplomat Craig Murray claiming that he himself received thumb drives from Rich and pass them on. Uh, I don't know why this is why this is, topic seems to be off limits when it's so obvious. Yet try to say try to dispute that the Russians hacked the DNC, which the talking heads at CNN and MSU just keep saying endlessly fully embraced without any proof. Well, in three of the cops at the Sethridge murder scene had body cams, but there is no video and the camera at the food mart across the street, there was no video recovered there either. I mean, I could say other things, too, about... Uh, D.C. Metropolitan Police never interview anybody at the bar where he's seen last as to who he's with and what he's doing. Uh, no, it appears that the investigation was purposely botched. We also know that a police car is broken into near the site of the murder, and a weapon is stolen. Uh, so look, the, the whole thing doesn't add up, but if you ask reasonable questions about this, Mitch, you're a conspiracy. Oh, I, you're a nutcase and the whole but, thing. You know, but look, I'll, I'll tell you a left-wing conspiracy theory. Uh, WikiLeaks passed on Hillary's hacked emails to Roger Stone, who shared them with Donald <laughs> Trump and, and the Trump campaign, and that's why Trump publicly called on the Russians to release the material. Now that is a left-wing conspiracy theory. Well, and you've considered yourself a conspiracy realist uh, throughout your career. What uh, Do you think there could be a second uh, special counsel appointed, or there could be a counterattack launched in a institutional sense? Well, sooner or later, I think that that, that will happen. Why Jeff Sessions resists it, I, I don't know, although I think at this point Rod Rosenstein, who we know, the assistant attorney general, approved the surveillance of the Trump campaign based on the fake dossier, uh, doesn't seem to be inclined to do it. I'm really perplexed as to why the president doesn't replace uh, Mr. Sessions with an attorney general committed to the rule of law. You have the violations at the IRS under Obama, which go unprosecuted. You have the Clinton Foundation, which was a slush fund for grifters and had been the vehicle for multi-million dollar bribes un unprosecuted. You have the uh, the FBI acting illegally unprosecuted. You have the FBI uh, utilizing and the Justice Department utilizing this fabricated dossier put together by Russians uh, unprosecuted. Uh, no, I'm kind of wondering if somebody's going to wake Jeff Sessions up. Well, and we'll see how that plays out, because you have the hardcore loyalist Trump camp and people like Sean Hannity and Jim Jordan and others going at it. Then you have this 20 to 30 or whatever, what percentage of people who don't like the way Trump behaves. They denounce his vernacular on Twitter uh, and his crudeness and baseness, and that somehow he's ruining the country and the party. Jeff Flake, I could name the local ones around here in the Never Trump industry. Um your thoughts on how that's all going to play out, the future of the Republican Party, and, and what's going to happen in 2018 and 20? 
Well, despite all of that, the president's approval rating uh, continues to climb. Uh, if I were the president, I would ignore all of that back chatter, and I'd stay focused on my agenda, revitalizing the economy, uh, sealing the borders, redoing these trade deals, uh, and so on. Uh, I will tell you the one aspect of this that is uh, a pain in the neck. My personal legal fees have now hit a half a million dollars pertaining to not only the House and Senate Intelligence Committee investigations, but a completely phony lawsuit that's been filed against Donald Trump and I, alleging, yes, you may have heard this before, Roger Stone worked with the Russians to uh, hack Hillary's email and gave the information to the Trump campaign. Who's suing on that? Who's suing on that? Uh, a group called Project Democracy, which is an Obama-blessed front group. Folks can help me out, by the way, by going to stonedefensefund.com, a fund set up by some of my friends, stonedefensefund.com. I mean, I, I am not a wealthy man. A half million dollars uh, in legal fees, which is going to now get higher, projected to hit a million bucks, uh, given these new accusations, uh, threatens to bankrupt my family, which is, I think, the point. They want to distract me from the coming efforts to take down the president, so I'm not there to help defend him, but that's not going to happen. Well, before I do another commercial, maybe give the website one more time on that. Sure, it's stonedefensefund.com. StoneDefenseFund.com. Uh, uh, well, you can use PayPal or a credit card to help us out. I would be deeply grateful, as would Mrs. Stone. Well, I'll see what I can do. I'll have to call on my rich friends. No. Joe Ferraro and her team of realtors guarantee the sale of your house by a certain date or they will buy your home. That means you can buy your next house without the pressure of you having to sell your home first. Go to SoldInMadison.com. Go to WeedManUSA.com. Recommended over our competitors for your lawn care needs by our customers' outstanding testimonials. Go to WeedManUSA.com. Roger Stone, our guest, you can uh, hear him uh, a lot on the uh, the Stone Cold Truth. No, actually, it's um, the Stone... The StoneColdTruth.com, correct, Roger? Yes, you can, you can read my stuff at StoneColdTruth.com. You can see me every day at InfoWars at 5 o'clock Eastern uh, on the War Room. And even though you formally left the campaign in the summer, late summer of 15 or so, you also wrote so many books, and he certainly referred to your books. Uh, the Clinton War on Women, he certainly did down the home stretch, bringing Bill Clinton's accusers to the studio or next to it in the second debate. And there seems to be conjecture that he, he turned his fate around by going on offense at that moment against Bill Clinton's Bill Clinton and the Clinton Inc. conspiracy to smear those women. Uh, do you take credit for that? Well, uh, I certainly wrote numerous memos advocating uh, the, that those women be given a voice, that they be highlighted, and that they be allowed to tell their stories. And very early, even before the advent of uh, uh, of Steve Bannon joining the campaign, I had urged that on the campaign in writing. So um, I continue to hold that the original idea to do so was mine. Look, it was clear that Hillary Clinton's entire candidacy was based on the assumption that she would win a disproportionate number of women's votes. But this advocate for women had, in fact, bullied threatened, intimidated Bill's various women victims, and there are many, uh, and therefore that needed to be known and documented for the American people. I think the campaign seemed to believe that the issue was about infidelity or indiscretion when it was about sexual assault. It was against violence against women. It's not that Bill's a ladies' man. That's not what we object to. Uh, what we object to is uh, his violence against women, his sexual assault, and yes, rapes. Uh, that was the issue, which is an entirely different issue than womanizing. Well, I think in the case of, uh, of the rape charge, even though the woman in question, Juanita Broderick, recanted at least once in an affidavit, she then unrecanted later. Uh, none of the women that are accusing Donald Trump, I don't believe, have accused him of rape. Um, and you could talk about a divorce deposition that was recanted long ago, but no, re, uh, you know, no, no consistent claim of that against Donald Trump. I just think the country is coming to grips with his quote-unquote vulgar style. We heard that word over the weekend on Meet the Press. Uh, Henry Mitchell called him a vulgarian. 
So in the end, is he going to be Andrew Dice Clay and have his day in the sun and go away, or do you think he stays for a long, long time? Well, look, the voters had a choice between Andrew Dice Clay and Jesse James. I mean, Hillary Clinton and her husband would steal a hot stove. Uh, look, the American people knew everything about Donald Trump when they selected him. They knew that he was blunt and he could, that he could be um, pungent in his comments. Um, what they're looking for is results. Are there jobs? Are our neighborhoods and schools safer? Is there economic opportunity? Do, or my children have to finish college and move into the basement. Mm. Uh, if the president moves the needle on those big issues, he'll get reelected. Dr. Roger Stone, we appreciate it very much. And like they said in the end of Witness, be careful out there among those English. Be careful out there with Jake Tapper and the hordes in the media. Roger Stone, and read his many best-selling books. We thank you very much. We hope to talk to you again. Thank you, sir. Many thanks, Mitch. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Roger Stone on a special edition of the Mitch Hanks Show on MadisonTalks.com. Facebook Live for this live version of the interview. You can get the podcast 24-7 on MadisonTalks.com. Thank you.